This is the OKC82 Podcast with Chisholm Holland and Brady Trantham on the Franchise Podcast Network. We're gonna, there's no way they can hear you at all. They're going to hear me, and I'm going to sound like I'm in a cave, and you're going to sound like a distant memory that I'm reliving. Well, my goodness. I told you, the, the soundboard is not like, oh, I see. So we're recording off like the mic you'd use like FaceTime. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. That's not awesome. Welcome to the OKC82 Podcast with Ray Trantham Chisholm Holland, live from the Press Restaurant. Take number two. Yep. Tell that was a rookie t- mistake. Tell everybody what happened. So, obviously, uh, we have to bring recording equipment in here to the press, which is a great place to grab a bite to eat for lunch or dinner. One of my favorite places near my home. You can catch me and my wife here pretty frequently. Humble brag about being married. Yeah, humble brag. Hey, she's hot, man. <laughs> um, so I have to bring in equipment. That equipment has to plug into a computer. In order to work, yeah. In order to record. I forgot that part. I, it's all the equipment. We were wearing the headsets. We had the microphones on. Yeah, we only recorded for about three minutes, so thank God you spilled sugar all over your and keyboard because yep. that, that kind of triggered your brain and your eyes to go, oh, none of this is recording. None of the, Well, it was recording, but it was recording like on like the mic that you would use to Skype with someone, mm-hmm. which I can only imagine you can what get, that sounded like. It would have like. been the ambient sounds of the press. It absolutely would have been. So the OKC Thunder lost last night to the San Antonio Spurs. A little bit of a surprising loss. The Spurs coming in on a four-game losing streak, four out of their last five. DeMar DeRozan, their leading scorer on the team, does not play because of back spasms. Which is not a bad thing. But in spite of all that, Oklahoma City found a way to lose. And it was an ugly game. The first half, their offense was garbanzo. Like, it was awful. Garbage. They uh, fouled too much. And, yeah, there were some questionable calls. But when it's apparent early on that this is how the game's going to be officiated, you have to adjust. Absolutely. And if you don't adjust, that's on you. Absolutely. So... The game gets down into the second half, and all of a sudden, both offenses kind of get it figured out, and the point total gets over north of 100, where it looked like it was going to be like 85-72 there for a minute. Yep. But the offenses get it figured out. Oklahoma City's offense really looks great for the final three and a half minutes or so. A lot of three-pointers, a lot of getting to the rim. The only issue is they couldn't get a stop to save their lives, and so if you're just trading two points for two points and three points for three points, you're not closing the gap, and... Sadly, that's what happened uh, last night in Oklahoma City. But overall, Brady, your reaction to that loss? Yeah, um, San Antonio, uh, they shot 20 of 40 from non-paint mid-range twos. Billy Donovan highlighted that in the postgame last night. That's elite. Sadly, that's what the Spurs want to do. They want to take those shots. And in the pregame show last night, I highlighted, well, the Thunder lead the league or they're second in the league in terms of forcing their opponents to take those undesirable mid-range jumpers from 15 to 18 feet. The Spurs are second in the league at hitting those shots. So the Thunder's strength was supposed to be better than the Spurs' strength. And obviously the Spurs are a worse team than Oklahoma City at this point. You would think that would be the case. But because OKC took about two and a half quarters to really get going offensively, and some of that had to do with the Spurs' defense, but really going two of 11 at the rim in the first half, uncharacteristically terrible at the rim. Guys like Dennis Schroeder, SGA, Chris Paul, Steven Adams, terrible at the rim. Um, when you allow a team to hang around, and even though the Spurs weren't really hanging around, they were leading this entire time. But when you allow a bad team like that to find rhythm, before by the time that you turn it on, well, guess what? They've had it on the entire game. Sure. And unless they just have an absolute collapse, which could have happened, unless that happens, you're probably not going to win. And unfortunately for the Thunder, the Spurs, I think they were like 12 of 16 in the fourth quarter or 14 of 16 in the something stupid. But, th- I mean, that just goes to show you – Whenever 
schematically you want someone to do something and they happen to be very good at it, you've got to make sure that your strengths are better than their strength. And the Thunder didn't really do anything otherwise. Like They couldn't hit shots at the rim. They were fouling too much. They weren't hitting shots from the perimeter. Uh, they were turning the ball over a ton. And it just kind of fed into this whole thing where I think, you know, we kind of talked about it already on the first recorded We're segment. We're going to re-say it, sadly. Yeah. Um, these last four games, crappy. Crappy for the Thunder. And I know the Thunder were 5-10 and 10 at one point. This has to be, at least since then, the worst stretch of games I've seen Oklahoma City play. Yeah, this four games. St- uh, oh, wait. Before I go into hyperbole, logging through my mental reservation. The start of the year when they lost to Washington right off the bat. Bad. Yeah, those those first three or four games were also really horrendous, and that's when uh, I was doing the Thunder First Take postgame show with Aaron Davis every night, and we were updating people on takeathon.com. <laughs> oh, every yeah. game we were telling yeah. people where their draft pick was going to be because that's where we thought the season was going. That was a pretty bad stretch. Their RJ Hampton, look, come on down. It just looks so disjointed uh, overall, so – Maybe that point, but this has really been tough to watch over and over and over again. So, you know, do with what this what you wish, but Oklahoma City's not playing at their best basketball. I don't know, Brady, if you buy into the whole, well, the All-Star game is supposed to be next week. They got one more game between them and a vacation. Is that an excuse for you, or is that a reason, or is that just irrelevant? It can be an excuse, but when you take into account all the realities, so the Thunder's January, tough. They were on the road a ton. They didn't have more than a game you know, off in between games. And there is a beauty in that. You can kind of f- catch yourself into a flow, and the Thunder certainly did. They were really successful in January. But then you come right into February, where you have four days off. You might be a little lethargic after having four days off, which sure. is also the same week as trade deadline as the trade deadline. Now, Danilo Gallinari is not literally on the phone with the Heat going, no, I want three years, like late into the evening after the Thunder played, uh, what was it, the Cavaliers that night. Um, he's not literally doing that. His agent, his people are doing that, taking care of that for himself. But at the same time, Danilo Gallinari is probably really focused in on, am I going to be am I going to be in Oklahoma City tomorrow morning for practice, or am I going to be on a jet to Miami to get ready to join a new team? So the trade deadline affected a lot of players on this roster. Dennis Schroeder was probably, you know, questioning, like, what, what's my future? I heard he was looking at condos in L.A. <laughs> um, Danil Gallinari, of course. And then who, el- who else knows that was affected by it? So you add all that up with two lackluster games against lackluster opponents. You, you add all that up, and then the All-Star game's coming about. I could see why this is going to be one of the more disappointing stretches of games for the Thunder now, they have a, a chance to course correct Thursday night against an equally bad team, even though Zion's back uh, with the, against the Pelicans on the road. They can rebound and have a solid victory over that. Then that four-game stretch is just what it was. It was just a bad little four-game stretch. Sure. If they lose on Thursday, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this could potentially be – I mean, I don't, I don't want to say, like, it could bleed post-All-Star break, but um, it's just it's not encouraging because this has been a team that – We've kind of hung our hat on about them being consistent and beating these bad teams consistently. Yes. But if they're going to start losing, now, keeping to these the games, games close, yeah. I've always said they've been, these games have been way too close. But they're beating them time and time again. Yeah, they've been beating bad teams consistently. They just make these games. Now it's okay. So now they're allowing these games to be way too close, and they're also losing them. That's not exactly the direction you want to go. Now the Boston loss, we can go round and round about. They did not play their best. 
they had an opportunity to win the game down the stretch. Marcus Smart comes up with a great defensive play. Kimball Walker hits some threes. And, you know, that's what happens when you're playing one of the best teams in the NBA. But, again, this San Antonio loss is tough. The close wins against Cleveland and Detroit are tough. It, it's hard to reason with that. And you say if they lose on Thursday, let me tell you, if they play like they did last night on Thursday, oh, they will, definitely they will absolutely lose to the New Orleans Pelicans. They could have lost to Golden State playing like they did in the first half. Absolutely. And so, you know, New Orleans is hitting a little bit of a hot streak here, and that's for obvious reason with Zion Williamson coming back into the lineup. And then they're feeling themselves a little bit because Zion averaging 28 points, 7 rebounds, and 8 assists in 28 minutes a game is playing pretty well. Is that good? That's pretty good. <laughs> so they're on a three-game win streak. They've beaten Chicago, Indiana, and Portland. Portland was the hottest team in the NBA whenever uh, the Pelicans took them down last night, 138 to 117. Zion had 31. So leading into this next conversation, Brady, tomorrow night at the peak will be Zion Williamson. It's in How? New Orleans. Oh, so sorry. It's all good. Sorry. This, this, you know, Actually, this sounds better. Tomorrow night at the Smoothie King Arena. There you go. <laughs> Zion Williamson against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Who the hell is guarding Zion? Nobody. Like, you were talking about a bad matchup. LaMarcus Aldridge is a bad matchup. You know, Draymond Green can be a bad matchup. Yeah. Zion Williamson is like the, okay, describe to me word for word a bad matchup for Oklahoma City, and it would just be Zion Williamson. It would just be his photo. I mean, you're going to get plenty You're going to get plenty of Steven body, trying to body up on Zion. Because, like, Danilo's not going to be able to do it. And I told you um, before we started recording, I thought Darius Baisley might have been a nice little matchup defensively. Yes, Zion can, like, toss him asunder like he's not even standing there, but – how many times does someone literally just body somebody in the post over and over and over and over again in a game? That rarely, if never, happens. I thought Darius' length alone and his basketball IQ, his savviness, surprisingly for a rookie defensively, would have been nice in this matchup. You don't have Darius Baisley, obviously. So the Thunder having to play smaller lineups with Abdul Nader or Hamadou Diallo, playing Terrence Ferguson a little bit more, um, playing Lou Dort, um, you're going to get a heavy dose of – uh, Steven Adams, Danilo Gallinari switching around on Zion because if he starts feasting on Danilo, you're going to see Steven uh, kind of go over there to uh, try to take care of him. And then Zion's probably going to try and just out-athlete him, outspeed him, whatever. Okay. Then it could potentially be bad. So I'm not talking about switches. Let's not talk about plays where, okay, there's some switching actions. Now we have the, you know Chris Paul suddenly on Zion Williams. So we're not talking about those plays. New Orleans setting up their half-court offense. Will I'm going to name a player, and you tell me if they will or will not be matched up on Zion. Because I think they're going to throw a lot of bodies at him tomorrow. Oh, you yeah. Know, they're going to try a lot. So we both agree, obviously, Danilo Gallinari in some form or fashion at some point in this game is going to be very outmatched, but be guarding Zion Williamson. Ooh, you think maybe off the jump they just avoid that? Are they going to put Danilo on Derek Favors? Oh, God. That would be almost worse. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen Derek Favors win a playoff game against Oklahoma City. Okay, we don't need to go down that road. <laughs> just just by crashing the boards. No, this is I mean, this is a bad it's a bad matchup, but at the end of the day, the Thunder are still a better team. And just because there's one bad matchup, well guess what? New Orleans has to try to figure out how to stop Chris Paul in the mid range. They have to try and figure out how to stop SGA if he's gonna be on. They have to stop they have to try and figure out how to stop picking pops from Danilo Gallinari on the offensive end. Dennis Schroeder, like if he has a course correction game because he was awful for three quarters against the Spurs last night. If he has a 20-point game, um, is anybody from New Orleans going to be able to match or stop that off the bench? No. 
I think you're besmudging my former Chicago Bull, Etwan Moore. Who has – I think he's dropped 30 against the Thunder. Before. He has. Yeah, he, he used to be like in that little category He dropped of 30 killer. in a game winner against the Thunder when he was a Bull. Oh, yes. Corner yeah, that, three. That was the Pau Gasol Bulls. Wasn't yes. That? Yeah. Yes, it was. Because they had operas. They, <laughs> they did have opera houses in Chicago. <laughs> so, Danilo Gallinari, yes or no? You don't think he'll ever match up with Zion? You think they're going to avoid that from the jump? I think they should. I think they should, but will they? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. So Stephen Adams, we both agree, probably also gets some rotation minutes on Zion. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully Nerlens doesn't get three fouls in four minutes in the first quarter. Okay. Other, that was a debacle. That was a debacle. Other names that come to mind. Deontay Burton. Interesting. That is interesting because I was a little, it was a little eye-opening that he didn't get any minutes last night. He did not, despite all the foul trouble with Nerlens. Despite all the foul and trouble. And Darius basically being out. Now, maybe matchups dictated that. I think we're going to see of the next, you know, obviously there's going to be the All-Star break. So this game tomorrow night and then after the All-Star break, I think we're going to see Billy kind of tinker with who's going to try and take those minutes that Darius Baisley is not going to have anymore for the next four to six weeks. I think we're going to see Deontay Burton at some point. Why not tomorrow? Just from a physicality standpoint. Sure. It makes sense. Lou Dort. I, I want to see Lou Dort, Deontay Burton. <laughs> on is the, on is the floor Lou Dort ever by design going to match up on Zion Williamson? Like I told you, he uh, he held his own against LaMarcus Aldridge. Now, LaMarcus Aldridge is not Zion. But He's not. Now, um, I think he'll have to out of necessity. I don't know by design. Okay, so not by design. Uh, Mike Muscala, <laughs> my favorite possible matchup. Hell no. You don't know? Not, not, one, not one possession? No. Okay. Nerlens Noel. Probably. Length. Yeah, probably as well. Yeah. I would say the givens are Steven, Danilo, and Nerlens. I think Steven and Nerlens probably get the majority of the time. Mm. But it's going to be interesting to see how they tackle it. Zion is such a weird... They might have to tackle him literally. They might actually have to literally tackle him. <laughs> in that case, maybe they should trade for Trey Lyle so he can put him in a headlock. Oh, God. That was, that was shocking that was called a common foul so quickly. He everyone got so mad about that. I'm, can I be on the side of Trey Lyles here? I know that I'm going to be in the minority here. I'm on the side of Trey Lyles. I don't understand why everybody's freaking out. Well, I mean, I get what he's trying to do. Everyone but, does that but, in every pickup basketball they've ever played in. A guy has a wide-open layup. You just give him a hug. He doesn't jump. Yeah, you give him a hug. You don't grab his neck. Oh, that was by he went, accident. He went above These the are fast. You know how fast Steven is? Yeah. Steven's so fast. He's so hard to grab. Flagrant, he's slippery. Flagrant fouls can still be accidents. Like, I've seen flagrant fouls yeah. where, like, the guy accidentally goes a little too hard. That's like and you hit him in the head. I mean, that, I did, it he, was shocking to me that it was called so quickly. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a choke hold. It was a half Nelson. One arm up by the neck, the other arm Which un, underneath be a the armpit. Because you're not playing the ball at all. No, but again, it's not malicious. He, Steven didn't even get close to getting hurt. I know. It sounds like a flagrant one, what you're describing. By the letter of the law, probably. Common sense. How about this? Everyone who thinks that should be a flagrant one. Come play basketball with me on Thursday nights. I play every single Thursday. I'm going to intentionally do that to you during the game when you're on the other team. And you're going to call a flagrant one in the pickup basketball game. Does anybody game. ever call flagrant ones? And no. And see what the reaction is. Just just test it. Just you, test it in a real theory. What if what if you break someone's neck? I'm so I I hate being this guy, but all of you literal the law. You love that when it's in your favor. You hate it when it goes the other direction. So you got to play it both sides. I'm playing it both sides. I don't, I'm not a big no, letter pe of the people law. People would have been upset if he had done what you're supposed to and just bear hug him like in his torso, in his midsection. Because it's I think it, you could tell it, though he's trying has, to grab has, him above his arm because Steven had the ball down low, right down yeah. by his hips. I think he was trying to grab it because he had to go 
over his arm. I think he was trying to, and he kind of slipped. Steven's <laughs> fast and slippery. He's very sweaty. This would be a funny conversation is, like, if it was We need like, Steven on the podcast to yeah, talk about this. Yeah, confirm this. It would have been a funny conversation if you're saying, like, well, look, he was trying to bear hug him. He just happened to punch him in the throat on accident. So, I mean, it's again, like, it was shocking to me in the moment that, like, wow, they're calling that a common foul that quickly. Okay, all right, whatever. Weirdly officiated game, but sometimes these things happen. I disagree. I disagree. So other stories going around around right now in the NBA, as we mentioned on this podcast, we try to focus a little bit league-wide. Are you keeping up with the, se- the Philadelphia 76ers? Um, I did notice that the Thunder jumped them in net rating, which is they did surprising but not surprising at the same time. Do you know what? You know, the Sixers remind me so much of the Thunder when they were in that conversation. Stop. No, no, no. Stop. They, they remind me so much of the, of the Thunder. No, you're stealing my storyline. Oh, go right you ahead. asshole. Go right ahead. My pr- the Philadelphia 76ers are the Thunder of the past two years. Go, not, a, not of the past two years. No, 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 man. Go read the coverage of this team. People inside the law. It sounds so much like the Thunder of the past two years. Everyone's saying they're extremely talented. By and large, all the players seem to like each other. It's not working on the floor, and the fan base hates it. They're, they're way under expectation. Like it, All of it sounds like this should be working, this should be working. It's not. No one can explain why, and the fans are frustrated. Now, Philly fans get their uh, their slope of frustrated is a little bit more steep than the the slope for Oklahoma City fans. Yeah, but I, I tell you, the way that people are interacting with that team at a local level in Philadelphia is so similar to the Thunder teams the past few years. Yeah, well, they remind me of the Thunder like after they went to the finals. Now, the only different, the biggest, like Kevin Martin. Yes. The biggest difference Shout out is Kmart. the Sixers, I mean, Joel Embiid. Can I try to work Kmart into every single podcast? Of course. Okay. Why not? Well, Joel Embiid, one of the better players in the league, he's not on Kevin Durant's level. Kevin Durant elevated no. the Thunder to like to a finals contender consistently every single year. But the same frustrations are there. Like The offense is not innovative. There's like You've got one-sided players all over the place. You don't have a very deep bench. You're relying so heavily on maybe one or two guys to do multiple jobs. And, you know, depending on how good those players are, you can have success, but it's so easy to funnel to stop you. Like, what's Kevin Durant bitching about right now? But, oh, the 2016 playoffs. Like, I was tired of, like, being the only guy to hit jump shots. And I know that cute little uh, basketball reference screenshot of, like, how everybody shot three-pointer-wise in the playoffs that year is floating around. And, look, those results – Shout out Deion Waiters for shooting 38%. Those results are cool, but – why are those results there? Yeah, some of it might have been that Kevin Durant mailed it in, and I think he's admitted as much without saying it. He did mail it in that year, but also no one gave a fuck about Deion Waiters shooting threes. No one gave a fuck about Andre Robertson or Serge Ibaka shooting threes. The Warriors wanted them to shoot threes. Sure. When Kevin Durant had the ball, they crashed the hell out of him, and that's why his shooting percentage is probably a tad bit lower than what it should be, even though he was probably mailing it in. It's the same thing with the Sixers. Like, they only have, like, one or two guys that you need to worry about. Outside of that, it's just like, eh. Plus, they have a coach that isn't very innovative. It, that, that is true. Now, imagine Billy Donovan coaching the Sixers. And Billy Donovan gets trashed because he's not innovative. But look at their, their offense this year. Any chance, though, that Brett Brown is having to suffer a little bit from the Billy Donovan problem of the past couple of years? Any chance? I'm not saying it's likely, but is there any chance that maybe Brett Brown actually has this beautiful, exquisite offense but he, he has superstars not willing to play in those roles. He shouldn't because Billy came into a situation where Russell Westbrook was already an established star. Sure, sure. That's a good point. Joel Embiid was always hurt. 
I mean, Brett Brown has been in Philadelphia longer than Joel Embiid. Yeah. He was always hurt. Then he showed up, wasn't hurt anymore, and then everybody like, oh, hey, he's he's really good. Yeah. Almost one rookie Brown, of the year playing 32 games. Yeah, Brett, LOL. Brett Brown has no excuse to be like, well, I mean, this was his team before I got here. Like, no, you've been there longer than Joel Embiid. Like, he has no excuse that Billy could kind of have. I guess that makes sense. Again, it's going to be interesting to monitor here. Obviously, there was the stuff with Joel posting on Instagram of the you're the hero until you've been there long enough to see yourself become the villain or whatever that quote I, is from Harvey Dent. Yeah, I hate when people quote stupid things like that. First off, sir, that is a great movie. You know, it's, it's a great, sir, it's a great movie. Sir, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. It's just corny. It's just corny to Does that shock that. you about Joel? He's corny. He's corny. That's what he does. He's corny. Quote something obscure. <laughs> Percentage chance that he gets traded this summer. Because that's the rumor now, obviously. Team, Brian Windhorst reported on the Hoop Collective podcast that teams aren't saying that he's available, but they are preparing for him to be available in the future. Joel obviously posting some mysterious stuff on social media. This year has been a complete debacle in Philadelphia. Well, if they want to be a big player in the 2021 free agency, they've got to split up Ben or Joel. They've got to split Or Al up. Horford. <laughs> well, I think that takes care of itself age-wise, right? What's his contract? Four, four, three four, more years after this. Three more years. Three more years. It's movable. It's movable. Is it? Is yeah. it move? Is it, it's movable? Like John Wall's contract is movable. Well, depending on how he plays when he comes it's back. It's movable. Like Kevin or Kevin Love's contract is movable. Yeah. Oh. Is he a negative value? Probably, but a slight negative. And I think Al Horford's still a good player. I think he's just I in the it, worst possible situation. I, I think most of it just comes from the fact that Al Horford's game ages well and the way that he plays, like. You could see him having value at the end of that contract, whereas you look at a guy like Russell Westbrook, like that's the easiest compare, that's the easiest example. You look at a guy like Russell Westbrook, is he going to be as good as he is now at the end of that contract? Probably not. So that's why you look at that contract, you look at that asset, and go, I don't see value there. Sure. Now Al Horford, I, I have the opposite reaction to, but if they want if they want to be a player in 2021, or if they even want to be like a team that can grow and evolve, they've got to split them up. Because, like, my opinion on, like, Dame and CJ, magnify that times 10. That's how I view Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And it's, like, it's not a weird thought. Everybody has the same thought. Oh, I think I think Joel and Ben are way worse of a fit than CJ and Dame. Oh, no, like, that, they, they are a good fit. Joel, or not Joel Embiid, uh, Dame and CJ, they're a good fit. They just have a ceiling, and they've reached that ceiling. So if you want to get better than that, you've got to split them up. Oh my God, Joel, Tobias Harris, you you are aware of his contract, right? Oh God, yeah. Five years, one hundred eighty million is what he signed this summer. The man who constantly gets—he's like the Lane Kiffin of the NBA. In 2023-2024, he will be making forty-one million dollars. 2023-2024, forty-one million dollars. In that same season, Ben Simmons is going to be making thirty-seven. I mean, the Sixers are doing what a lot of people thought the Thunder should do, is pay, 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 pay. But sometimes when you pay, 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 you're stuck with some bad contracts. Who was giving Tobias Harris five years 180? Well, I guess by context, who was giving Tobias Harris? I'm doing math now in my head quickly. Bad teams. You know, bad teams. Four set, years one. Bad teams set the market. 135 or whatever. Bad teams set, like, bad desperate teams like Detroit or Atlanta. Um... Who else? Like Memphis before this year, because Memphis has some optimism now. But those like bad teams are the ones who set the market because a player like Tobias Harris, 
he's a good complimentary piece on a title contender like Philly. He's not five years, zillions of dollars for Philly good. Right. But if they don't offer him that money, he's just going to take that from Memphis or Atlanta or the Knicks. Bad teams that just want a name. And that's the shame because then it forces good teams to have to, like, look and make a decision. Like Chris Middleton, is he worth the money that he gets? No. No, he's not. But Milwaukee literally had no choice. I feel like Philadelphia had some choices this summer, and they just chose Tobias Harris. They chose Tobias Harris, uh, Al Horford, and Josh Richardson, which I like Josh Richardson. But those are the choices they made, and you can make a pretty easy case that two or three of those, maybe not the best choice. Mm. Tobias Harris is a fine player, but not a max five-year player with no team options, no player options. We're married until 2024. Gosh, that is. You know how far away 2024 I'm, I'm is? I'm glad I'm not in their front office. No. No. Philadelphia is a, uh, a funky team. They also seem to be blowing it up and restarting every single year. There's rumors that they're going to be moving on from all of their front office this summer. Obviously, Brett Brown has been on the hot seat for what feels like a decade. Mm-hmm. Just interesting to monitor. I don't even know who they get head coaching wise. Elton Brand's their GM. Is Phil Jackson available? (laughs) Yikes. The Toronto Raptors are on a 15 game win streak. Do you know who their first win was of this win streak? Oklahoma City. It was Oklahoma City. Yeah. Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam. Are they not like a better version, Eastern Conference version of the Thunder? They just they have an identity. They play hard every single night. You know what you're getting out of them. And when they're healthy, like their ceiling is obviously higher than Oklahoma City's. But they they just have a Thunder vibe to me. Is that like perform well as a team? Maybe not overly talented. A couple good players that you know, but yeah, not superstars. Yeah. Now, kind of thing. Like Pascal Siakam probably has a higher ceiling and is more talented now than anybody on the Thunder, right? You think yes, he has a higher ceiling than SGA. No. You don't think so? I think he's better today. I don't think he's a higher ceiling. I think guards are always going to have a little bit of higher ceiling. Yeah, than a power yeah you're, you're right. You're right. I like Pascal Siakam. Me too. Me too. Like I said, I think he's a better player than SGA right now by a pretty considerable margin. I just – my whole thing with SGA is we have never seen him, except for one game, we've never seen him run this team. And until then, I, I have to, like, reserve judgment. Sure. That's I can, fair. I'm still excited to see. I mean, so the Toronto Raptors, 40 and 14. That is just – Absolutely insane. So these wins, if you're out there going, well, who have they beaten? They're in the East. Come on now. They're not playing anybody. Judge for yourself. These last 15 wins have been over Minnesota, Brooklyn, Indiana twice, Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, Atlanta, San Antonio, New York. Those all are not what I'd call convincing wins. Those Indiana wins are great. The Indiana wins are good. But, man, the rest of those are rough. Philadelphia, Atlanta again, Minnesota again, Washington, and Oklahoma City. Well, actually, having said that, those two Indiana wins, that, that's after Victor Oladipo came back, right? Correct. This was last week. You know what? Now that I th- look at that, hey, credit to them for winning. Now that I think about it, the Indiana wins aren't that impressive because how many times do we see teams try to reacclimate a star or a, a big-time player and the team starts to suck? Sure. I mean, look at Utah. They, they won zil- like a zillion games in a row, and then Mike Conley comes back, and then they lose five or six in a row? I think it was only four. Yeah, like they go on a losing streak because it is hard to like plug a, a starter back into your lineup because sure. it affects everybody. Sure. Um, and then that player himself is trying to get his legs back under him. So, I mean, credit to the Raptors for winning. Uh, but, yeah, that's 
pretty soft schedule considering. It is. Uh, or the Thunder probably in terms of, like, Indiana is a better team than Oklahoma City. They've beaten them twice. But in terms of, like, being 100%, being prepared, being whatever at full strength, eh, that's that is that their best win? Because, I, I, like, Philly sucks. Philly is a – they are popcorn muscle to me. Yeah. As a Heat fan, they do not frighten me in the postseason. Well, actually, I can tell you if the, if the Philly win was their best win. Philadelphia's only lost two games at home this year. They had the best home record in the NBA. They're 9-20 and 20 on the road. 9-20. and 20. So if Toronto beat the Sixers in Philadelphia, that's a great win. If they play them at home, it's a subpar win. Uh, the game was at home. Goodness, they're a worse version than the Heat. Heat have a, a little bit below 500 record on the road, which is you want to hover around 500 on the road, and the Heat's home record is like 24-3 and three or something like that. Sure. Uh, Philadelphia's home record right now, 25-2. and 25-2. Gosh. Good. That is insane. And they're 9-20 and 20 on the road. Someone explain that to me. How does that happen? What, what's the for just for reference? What's the Thunder's home record? Because it's not as good as you'd think. No, it's not. It's seventeen and twelve. They're fifteen and ten on the road. Now they did start off five and ten, but I feel like they've lost a handful of games in the last month. They've lost more games at home than they have on the road this season. I can't. Expl- they, I can't explain that. Well, I, I can uh, statistically from a win win loss percentage. They basically are the same team all the time. Doesn't matter where they play. Yeah, and the, again, there's a beauty in that. Mm-hmm. Like you get a consistent effort every single night, no matter what, with a, a ragtag bunch of guys. So uh, a little bit of a plot point here that Dylan Buckingham has brought up recently, which I uh, had not considered or looked into, and now I've dug into the numbers. So I'm ready to have this conversation with you. Oklahoma City has played the top four seeds in each conference. So just for reference, those teams are the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, and the Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, Jazz. So the Rockets are not in that list. Out of those eight teams, Oklahoma City is 3-10 and ten this season. 3-10 and ten against the top four seeds from each conference, which what we would both consider the upper echelon of the NBA. Yep. Is that alarming? Because you and I both had the conversation that, hey, man, if everything breaks right, they get the right opponent. If, you know, they play really well, they might could make it out of the first round. That makes me think that maybe that's a little wishful thinking. Well, the right situation for them is not playing the top – three teams in the West, right? Not the Lakers, not the Clippers, if they get not H- the Jazz. If they get Houston, Dallas, I guess they can't really get Dallas. It, a, basically, it's going to have to be Houston or Denver, I assume, is the two teams are hoping for. And you and I think differ on Denver, if I'm correct. Well, I, I feel like it would be a match, like matchup-wise, obviously the Thunder have nobody to stop Jokic. But experience-wise, the Thunder have a little bit of an advantage in the postseason. Sure. I, I'm always going to be questionable of a team whose second best player is Jamal Murray. Like, I'm just sorry. Yeah, that was the next thing I was going to say. Yeah. Um, so, basically, if they can draw Houston, that that's your shot to maybe get out of the, out of the first. Which round. is wild again to think yeah, about. It, it's silly, but that's your shot. Now that that whole stat, like, yeah, it's there, it's real. You got again. You've got to ask yourself: Do you think the Thunder are that good? Like, the Thunder can still be a good team, which they are. But they're not a title contender. So, right. so the fact that their record is less than cool against the title contenders in the league really shouldn't shock anybody. It doesn't no. shock me. Now, if they were getting destroyed in those games, it'd be like a little alarming. No. Um, and we say you're not. Because, like, the other side of the court. I think their point different. I think their net rating in that game is like a, an, in those 
games, those 13 games against the top four, if I remember correctly, this is, a, again, top of my head, so hold me to it, their average margin of loss is close to seven. And a lot of that, probably, that, that seven points probably became seven points from like five or four because of that third Lakers game where the Lakers destroyed them in Oklahoma sure. City with no LeBron. Yeah. It's just random things happen sometimes. But, um, no, I mean, the other side of the coin is, would you rather the Thunder be excellent against the top four of the league but then suck against everybody else? It wasn't at the Thunder yeah. two years ago? Yeah. Two years ago or last year where they were beating all the great teams but losing to all the crap. Last year got helped a ton in that department. Because wasn't it the Carmelo Anthony team, though? Yeah. Last year got helped in that department because Paul George's like three month stretch where he was the MVP. Sure, and they were beating everybody. Right, but I really, I, I maybe I'm misremembering, so don't quote me on it. But I really feel like that that Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, Russell Westbrook team would lose to the Grizzlies. Yeah, I mean, and then turn around and smoke Golden you know, State. Golden State on the road. Right. No, I remember I asked Melo about that, and he was like, "Yeah, um, it, it's it's weird that we can come out here and compete at a high level against you know the, the Golden State or whatever, and then we." play like crap against dot 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 <laughs> right <laughs> right and it's like that's yeah, perfect but it, it's a fr- it was frustrating to cover i'm sure it was frustrating to root for um but like back to the original point when you pretty much know that your team is not going to contend for a title i guess the most you can hope for is just the occasional upset of a lakers type team and then hope you don't get embarrassed or blown out against those types of teams and the thunder have done that they've consistently beaten bad teams they've consistently upset teams that you know like houston dallas yeah uh, utah like around their level they've beaten those teams a handful of times more so and when they play the top four it's like yeah you know at least they'll be in the game in the fourth quarter sure it's gonna be an interesting season for sure i just i don't know i guess my point in taking that away is not that I expect Oklahoma City to win those games even at a 500 clip. Obviously, if they're winning against the championship-level teams at a 500 clip, then they're a championship-level team. I don't think anybody is drawing that conclusion. Yeah. The only thing that's made me question is the fact that I have been saying if things broke right, they could win in the first round. They're not going to be the favorite. They're going to be a long shot, but they could win the first round. I think I might personally start walking that back. I don't know if they can. If they can't. You, you you threw Utah into that into that category, and I know. Or, I, did, or, I would or, no, the Thunder should not want to play Utah. I like that matchup, though. You do, yeah. Man, I don't know. I just haven't been as wowed as much as I thought. Mike Conley with Mike Chris Conley. Paul. I would say slight favorite to Chris Paul. Yes. Donovan Mitchell versus SGA. Give me Donovan Mitchell. Well, Donovan Rudy Gobert Mitchell versus Stephen Adams. But, but you you can have confidence that SGA can at least do something with him defensively. I'm just saying overall, both sides of the ball. Would you rather have Donovan Mitchell or SGA in that game? I think I'd rather have Donovan Mitchell. No, I would I would favor Utah, but it's certainly a series that if the Thunder had an upset victory in, like I wouldn't be shocked. Man, I don't now, know. If now, they, if they beat Denver or any of the L.A. teams, of course, that's like a monumental miracle of an upset. That would shock it. That would shock They got me. Jordan Clarkson, man. 40 points in like two games, man. Making $14 million a year. I mean, but my point is, I think you could really go down that roster, and I'd say Chris Paul is a slight advantage. I mean, I don't know if you like Bogdanovich or Gallinari more. I mean, it's close. Gallinari maybe by a slight margin, maybe in terms of consistency, but uh, Bogdanovich can do a little bit more with the ball on the floor, and way more defensively. Yeah, way more defensively. Yeah. So maybe I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna say Bogdanovich in that setting. I just think you just roll down the roster, and it's like, okay, maybe Oklahoma City by a little bit, and then the advantages that Utah has are just 
Massive. Royce White. Shout out Royce White. <laughs> Shout out. I mean, they got Emmanuel Moutier on this team. Royce O'Neal. Or Royce O'Neal. Yeah. Me. Royce White uh, played for the Rockets. Oh, yes. And like I said, Jordan Clarkson, man. And don't forget Joe Ingles. How did I forget Joe Ingles? Did you have Joe Ingles or Terrence Ferguson? Like, I'm real sorry, Terrence. Yeah. I'm real, real sorry. Give me let's Jojo talk about, let, let, Ingles. Let's, let's talk about Terrence before we get out of here. I don't want to be sad. Dude, like, we have reached the point. We have absolutely reached the point where if he's ever going to be consistently good for this team, for this franchise, he's going to be a one-sided player. I think if you have any dreams of him, like remember that one three-month stretch where he shot 40% on four attempts from three? That's long gone. He's never going to be an offensive player. I mean, the hi the play that you highlighted to me when we did our radio spot the other day where he had a wide-open three late against Boston, and then he just freaked out. And threw it to and Dennis. And threw who it was, to Dennis, who's covered. Oh, I mean, not <laughs> covered's putting it lightly. I'm surprised the pass got there. Yep. Like, I thought they were going to steal the pass to Dennis. And you know what? There was even a play last night where – the, the play resulted in a, in a Chris Paul three assisted by Terrence Ferguson. So the result's cool. Terrence Ferguson was wide the hell open on the left wing. Yep. And instead of shooting, which he probably should have done, he drove for no reason. Nobody crashed on him. And then he just thought, oh, no one's doing anything. And he kicked it back out to Chris Paul, who just happened to be kind of open. Right. And then he took the shot. Chris Paul took the shot because Terrence should have already taken it. Now, the play resulted in a three-point shot, and it was a rare made three in the first half last night, so cool. But it just further illustrates, like, he's just not going to be anything more than a one-sided player if he's ever going to be maxed out value-wise. And I'm sorry, but if I'm a Thunder fan, I'm tired of having one-sided players. Like, that was the old way of things. Like, that works when you have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. When you don't have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, you need to have guys that can do that can wear multiple hats. Terrence Ferguson cannot do that. You're right. I'm sorry. Like, and this, 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 I, I had that thought before he left the team for personal reasons, and that, that's a shame and it's sad. I hope he can bounce back from that and get his life in order and all that stuff. But these are thoughts that I had before that that surfaced. I mean, I was calling for Hami Diallo to be the starter. It's like I know Hami was a better consistent player on both ends of the floor. I know Hami can't shoot. I know Hami can't shoot. I'm very aware, and the spacing issue would be crunched even more if he was in the starting lineup. But good God, at least he's he's doing stuff on both ends. Like he's he's doing things. Terrence does nothing on the offensive end. Nothing. At least Hami's trying. And Lou Dort has filled Hami, that role. Hami moves the ball positively in his few opportunities. He had that one cool, uh, like he was in the paint. He got the pass like directly to him from Abdul Nader, and then he just bounced past it to, um, oh, God, who was it? Might have been Steven Adams. Maybe. Just bounced past it to Steven Adams. and was like, that's a guy who understands like spacing. That's a guy who understands what to do with the ball in his hands. Hami understands. Terrence just – I know he understands. He's in the NBA. He knows what to do. He just can't translate that from his brain to, like, what he actually does on the floor. Like, he's smart enough, clearly – he just doesn't. He just doesn't make it work, and it's it's frustrating, and it's even more frustrating because he gets all the opportunities. It's like the Thunder are trying so desperately to make it work, and I think it's apparent at this point it's just not going to. Okay, so last question for you about Terrence Ferguson. Terrence Ferguson is on a different team next year, or the year after. That doesn't say if it's a possibility. Let's just take that assumption. Okay, that he ends up moving on. Do you agree with me that he might have success somewhere else? I think he needs to change change the scenery in a bad way. 
I mean, I don't want to speculate on personal reasons, but I mean, if well, even if personal reasons can be fixed by a change of scenery, which I think logically that that could be a good thing. Um, if that helps him so much more on the basketball floor, then sure, that could work. In terms of like basketball-wise, he needs a different situation. Again, I don't know where he can thrive without being a one-sided player. Yeah, I just like where is he? Is he going to get like a better shooting coach? Like, it's not a, a problem with no, shooting see, I don't, form. I don't think it's that's confidence. what it is. It's I totally agree. And so sometimes, every so often, Russell you isn't here to like berate him or right. to, like rule by fear. Like, this is a perfect situation for players that are on the fringe of like I need to figure out what I am. Yeah. And if you're not succeeding with Chris Paul on your team, especially this type of Chris Paul who's trying his best to be a great team player and still confidence. I mean, last night Abdul Nader came and talked to us in the scrum. Then he like walked out of the scrum, walked around the locker room, went up to Chris Paul and said, hey, man, my bad, I, about some plays. Like, hey, man, my bad. And Chris Paul was like, dude, don't worry about it. There's always tomorrow. Like, you, you're going to be good. And, like, I have full confidence in you. Don't worry about it. Like, if you can't succeed with that guy as your leader, I'm sorry. I just don't see how you're ever going to offensively. Yeah, I just think every so often a guy gets in a situation where it starts to snowball in the wrong direction, and there's not a fix. The only fix is to go somewhere else where you feels like you get a fresh start. Even if the situation's worse or something changes, just the fact that you're somewhere else and you're kind of getting a new fresh start can change. We see that with young players every so often. Guys get the opportunity to go to a different team and all of a sudden it starts working. And it's less about the scheme and more about the fact that they just don't have to look at their past failures over and over again. And that could very well be true. And maybe not having a bunch of guards and wings breathing down your neck like the Thunder have like a plethora of, maybe that could help. But I mean, again, I don't, I, I just don't, I don't, if that happens, I would be shocked. Okay, last last topic before we get out of here. Lou Dort on a 45-day two-way contract, right? He can only play 45 days with the team. Have you seen some of the rumors of how the Thunder are getting around the, Around this makes it sound like they're cheating against the rules? The creative solutions they've come there to. There we go. To try to make sure that uh, Lou Dort maximizes his 45 days. Not practicing with the Thunder, all that he stuff. He does not practice with the Thunder. He does not do any of the team events. The only thing he does is game day. Now, so a new rule got passed last summer where travel to an away game does not count as a day. Yeah. That used to count. If you had to fly on a Saturday and you played a game on Sunday, both those days counted. You fly back on that Monday, all three of those days counted. Yeah, not every – like, for reference, not every NBA team's G League team plays across the street. Like, sure. my, the Miami Heats, their G League team is in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> so when they get recalled, like, there is a day of travel that is sure. involved. Philadelphia's is in Maine, the Maine Lobsters. Ooh, the Maine Lobsters. That's a great mascot. I like it. So apparently Oklahoma City is not having Lou Dort practice with the team at any point. The only thing he's doing is watching film with the coaches, which does not count as a day. Because it's a voluntary film watch with coaches, which, you know, G League players do. Other than that, not practicing at all. So in theory, I mean, just if all he's doing is suiting up, wouldn't that mean he'd be able to play 45 games? Am I doing Matt? Am I missing something here? In theory. And why doesn't every other team do this? And then, well, also because Philadelphia it, had two two-way players who were both contributing that they've had to give full contracts to because they ran out of days. It's not as shocking as it sounds because the Thunder—they're practicing today. They don't practice that much. Like they don't have shoot-arounds the day of games. They—they they don't unless they have a significant amount of time off sure. in between games. They're not practicing. So Lou Dort's not missing a ton of opportunities to like get team chemistry down or like how like where does Chris Paul want me to be like in this set like he's not missing those opportunities you can see all this in film 
And he's athletic enough that he could probably just go off muscle memory. Yeah. Now, if he's, you know, let's say he gets a contract, he gets upgraded so he can be on the playoff roster, the, that practice time will be very beneficial for him. Sure. Because and eventually he will get upgraded to a full contract. Oh, yeah. He has played, he has played his way but into But I that. just, honestly, the past three weeks I've been kind of like, okay, it's got to be any day now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because obviously before this stretch of him starting in place of Terrence Ferguson, he also, there was, I don't know, five or six games that come to mind where he suited up for the Thunder just because they had injuries. I'm like, hey, man, you got to have a breaking case of emergency player available. So those days counted too. Yep. And I was like, surely he's practiced some when they needed a body. And so just logically, and again, the other two-way contracts around the league have been running out. Philadelphia had two of them gone. Uh, Boston has had one guy who's already maxed out on time. So, like, other contracts, similar to Lou Dort, have already maxed out on days. I just assumed that we were right around the corner. And then all these reports come out where it's like, nah. That's, that's, he, I don't know if he's close, but he, they sure don't make it seem that way. Yeah. I just find that interesting. Uh, Sam Presti getting clever again. The Thunder like us to wait for everything. So that's the case. That is the case. All right, Brady. Anything else you want to get to? No, got to get to practice. All right, man. Adios. Appreciate your time as always. We're down here at the Plaza District in the Press, uh, my favorite restaurant down here by my favorite by my home with me and my wife. So if you're ever interested in trying to run in Chisholm Hall in public, this is a great place. Mm -hmm. But if you're just looking for good good food, it's an even better place for that. Food's awesome. The drinks are awesome. A very very cool bar, a cool feel, and the wait staff is incredible. So head down here to the Press in the Plaza District. All right, Brady. Till next week. Thank you. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.